Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Are you too physically attractive for your own good? Well, that's a problem I never had to deal with. But back during my adolescent years, I envied those really good-looking kids in my school. No, I didn't want to become a beautiful girl, but I sure would have loved to be one of those great-looking guys. And I always assumed that really handsome guys and beautiful girls and women were on the easy street to warm, fulfilling relationships. You were so good-looking that others were attracted to you, and you never had problems relating to those of the opposite sex, and you couldn't help but be highly self-regarded and self-confident given how good you looked. Well, here's the irony. My first guest today, author Peggy Bland, informs us that growing up, she had a genuine problem with self-esteem. In her words, as a beauty, I can tell how... I can tell you how jealousy, put-downs, and envy can make you feel like you're not loved or even liked. And it didn't help that she grew up in a dysfunctional family of alcoholics. And all grown up as a young adult, Peggy was continually striving for acceptance and for years could not discern whether the men in her life were really in love with her or with themselves. And as a result, the bright and beautiful Peggy Bland was disastrous in love she was married to six abusive and adulterous husbands before finally on the seventh try she found her real true husband and only after Peggy took steps to be positive, confident, and self-affirming was she able to find the genuine life partner she, and for that matter all of us, so richly deserve. In effect, she had to learn to love herself before she could give and receive love from another. And Peggy Bland is here to talk about her own journey from dysfunction to joyful living and to offer counsel to others who are struggling for a positive connection to others in romantic relationships within our families and in our careers. And uh, Peggy Bland has traveled the world and was a successful interior designer in a top-notch firm. And having uh, taken control of her life, she now counsels with experience and guts other women who are being lied to, abused, and manipulated by men. And she's author of a new book uh, released just last November titled Beauty is a Beast. And I love that title. And hello, Peggy Bland, and welcome. We're anxious to hear the story of how you did it. Okay. You want me to down tell how why this all happened? Well, that's that's what we wanted to start with. Uh, for so many yeah. of us, so, uh, well, so many of us. I grew up in a pro- very dysfunctional home and extended family. And yeah. there was love as long as uh, I did as I was told and pleased all the others. Yeah. I was raised by a rabid Baptist mother who taught me that wives should be submissive to their husbands and husbands <laughs> wow. were the head of the household. I had a brother who was six years older, oh, and my wow. father walked out when I was 12, so I was left with this kind of male image, and my brother and I realized I, we have really have nothing in common. Yeah. Uh, but he was kind of given the title of head of the house once my father walked out. 
So um, I didn't have a good male image at all to go by, even though I made uh, my mother used was kind of a comparer. She'd just tell my brother, why don't you make top grades like your sister? And then she'd tell me, why aren't you sweet and not talk back to me like your brother? I had to be 42 years old before I finally got up a nerve to tell her my brother had never talked to her, and he still never talks to her. He wouldn't even let her come visit and come in the house hardly. You were talking about when he drove her to an appointment somewhere, I think a doctor's appointment, and they didn't speak to each other the whole way in the car. Yeah. Well, I yes, I have tried. I, you know, I I realized that my life was not what I wanted it to be. And when I married, and my husbands were adulterous, it gave me even more of a, a low self-esteem, thinking it was me that I wasn't pretty, I wasn't sexy, I wasn't desired, and so forth. I didn't realize until much later in life, when I took an online counseling course at the request of my minister. Hmm. Um, and started counseling people that adultery is not about the wife. Adultery is about the man committing adultery. He has become insufficient within himself, and he needs some little dolly to tell him he's so handsome and such a stud and such a this and such a that that he is feeling his own uh, low self-esteem. It has nothing to do with the wife at all. That's so true. (laughs) Yeah, and that's hard to get across to women. And uh, if they have a good husband and a good marriage, it's hard to get across to them to just suffer through it. Eventually, the little dolly will get tired because he won't get a divorce, and uh, yeah. she'll disappear. And yeah. maybe he'll hopefully he'll come back to his senses. Yeah. But well, as a bright I, uh, and beautiful grown woman successful in your career, how in the world did you wind up marrying not one or two but six abusive and adulterous men? And what attracted you to these uh, these guys? <laughs> and uh, why don't you describe, say, one or two of your ex-husbands and what made them tick? I guess, like you say, it was lack of self-confidence and uh, really uh, not being in charge of their own lives that led to such a lousy uh, situation for you. For them. Well, what attracts you to them is the very beautiful picture that they paint for you when you're when they meet you and start dating you. Yeah. My third husband, all of a sudden, I mean, he was very good looking. Yeah. He was from a very prominent, wealthy family. Oh. He had a private plane. He had oh, wow. a deep sea fishing boat. He had all he was in businesses and so forth. And as time went on after we married, and I started working real hard to feel like I was, a, you know. uh, worthy of having such a wonderful husband with uh, this prominent family and all of these goodies as a plane and and a deep sea fishing yacht and all this sort of stuff. I got involved in all that and being on the board of the Houston Opera and on the board of the Houston uh, Symphony and so forth. And I got to be very prominent myself. And as one friend of mine later told me that I think is true, he said when you married him, you were kind of lower as far as social esteem and so forth and yeah. monetary uh, ability. <clears throat> and then after you married him and you started increasing and getting more prominent and more prominent, you passed him. And when he <laughs> passed him, he needed some dollar to tell him how great he was. You passed him on the road up while he was on the road down. <laughs> yeah. And that was what happened. I, I just I, I achieved too much, and he stopped achieving. And, of course, he was... A, Pretty heavy drink, or liked to drink a lot when I yeah. married him. He wasn't a, a 
But his drinking finally escalated into alcohol. Oh, wow. And then his little secretary, who he was having an affair with, he was working so hard, and she got him to start smoking pot in order to calm down. And then he'd get too calm. She said, well, if you snort a little Coke. So suddenly I not only was living with adultery, I was living with a husband who was either way high, high or way low, low. I mean, it was up and down and up and down. And it was just got to be something I couldn't live with any longer. Well, did, mo- did most of these abusive um, traits of your husband's come out only after the, the wedding bells? <laughs> or were they yeah. able to hide them pretty much before? <laughs> well, none, none of them were ever physically abusive. It was the verbal abuse. No, I, I meant verbal verbally. Abuse thank God they weren't physically abusive. Yeah, you can heal from the physical abuse. You, it's hard to heal from that verbal abuse. Yeah. And there's a verse in the Bible which I put in my book that I I was raised, as I said, by a very rabid Baptist mother. I knew the Bible, I thought, backward and forward. Yeah. It wasn't until a few years ago I was reading some verses. In Matthew, I came across Matthew 10:36, and it says, A man's enemies will be from his own household. That's right <laughs> out of the Bible. Yeah. And I thought, my God, my worst enemies were my uh, own household. Well, how long did you stay in these uh, six marriages? Uh, what was the longest and the shortest time that uh, you stayed well, in Well, my those? first marriage only lasted a few months because oh, we went off to college, and he had told me, which I believed him, that his parents were going to pay for my last year in college while I finished up. Huh. And that made sense because his brother had just finished college, and it was yeah. a very expensive private college. Oh. So I realized they had plenty of money. It, yeah. As it was, when they said, oh, they couldn't afford it, I realized I had been trapped, not only by him, but by them. They wanted oh, me for a daughter-in-law. So that didn't last but a few months. Yeah. And I was single then for a couple of years, and I married who I thought was a friend of my brother's. At that time, my brother was overseas, and, yeah. of course, he and I really don't have anything in common. But yeah. he was a very, he seemed like a very wonderful guy. He had never married, and uh, we bought a brand-new home that just been... Uh, built and everything. Oh. We weren't in the home uh, even a year that he told me, and I had a, well, about a year and a half because my daughter was about six months old when he came and told me he'd found this wonderful, fabulous job in Dallas. We were selling our home and moving. Oh, Being raised the way I was, I agreed to it. I should never have ever. I should have told him he'd have to commute. Yeah. We, he wasn't in that job in Dallas more than a well, less than a year, then he quit because he was getting sinus headaches. Hmm. That was uh, on and on through our few, we were married about four years. Oh, I And he uh, got an extremely opportune job with a brand-new bank, had the opportunity to become the vice president, and hmm. <clears throat> when the vice president uh, got fired, but he cursed the vice president, and the vice president fired him, of course. And I realized at that point I didn't know about the Peter Principle. It's a book that there's so many people they can go so high and they can't go any further. He was a perfect example of that. He was very good-looking, very personable, and presented a good front. But he had no, not enough self-esteem and so forth to take on responsibility. Yeah. And that included a family. Yeah. Because that's, that's when he, so uh, his mother came to visit a few days later, he finally told her that he'd quit his job. And I could tell she was shocked. And when he walked out of the room, she looked at me and she said, you know, I am shocked that he doesn't have that job anymore, but he looks better than I've seen him in years. I'm thinking, lady, he's got a wife and two children. And you're telling me it was okay for him to quit his job because he looks better? I mean, without another job to go to? 
<laughs> you know, I realized then I was hold of a mama's boy, mama's well, baby. At some point midstream, you took steps to be positive, love yourself, and to make lasting changes, as you say in your book. What one event or series of events inspired you to uh, affirm yourself worth take control and protect yourself from those who would tear you down, which you'd been through with those six bad marriages. How did this, uh, you once and for all silence that inner voice of doubt? What what got you uh, turned around like that? Well, I let, when I married for the seventh time, the man from New York State, and I uh, got involved somewhat up there in his hometown, oh. um, I started a Woman of God conference at his church once a year. And oh. the minister, after the second conference, asked me if I had considered extending my ministry. I thought he meant become a minister, and I said, I'm getting a little old for that. And he said, no, I mean uh, getting a counseling certificate because uh, I've noticed how the women come over and want to talk to you afterwards. You'd be a wonderful counselor. When I took that counseling course online and finished, I gave myself a TAP test, which is a temperament analysis test. It has been proven to be 96% accurate. It was psychiatrists who realized, as King David said to God, you knew me in my mother's womb. Each and every one of us are born with an innate temperament planted in us when we're born. And then our families, friends, and environment come along and try to remake us. We have a hard time getting back in touch with that innate temperament. And that innate temperament, when I really got in touch with it, I proved to be totally supine in my control area, which meant that I allowed everyone to control me. And that's when my life changed. I thought, no one is controlling me again. Uh, I'm going to control myself. And that was a big turning point. I wish it had happened like 60 years before that, but it didn't. Well, it's wonderful uh, you were able to make that commitment. But uh, once a listener commits mentally and spiritually to taking self-control, what steps should he or she take to uh, bring about that change? Uh, What what action plan, uh, that counseling, I guess, worked for you, but uh, how long was it until you felt fully confident within your own skin once you... uh, made that uh, discovery of what type personality or temperament you had. Well, it doesn't happen to you overnight, of course. Yeah. It does happen all of a sudden that you've turned the page where you are starting to pay attention. When, yeah. when you feel like you're trying to please somebody, are you pleasing somebody because that's what you want to do or because you're doing it because they want you to do it in order to please them and make you look good? Yeah. I realize I've started quit doing things to make me look good by pleasing other people. Only I did things to make me look good to please me. Yeah, you can only love another if you love yourself and fully respect yourself first. We often talk about that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, you mentioned the discovery, these... and of course, with me, it came late in life. Yeah. And um, it, but Never you know, too I, late. <laughs> I realize now also, I think my innate temperament, I think I was created to be a conduit. I have yeah. helped so many people, improve so many people's lives, and all, and that is something that I take a certain amount of of self pleasure and enjoyment in, and knowing how many people that I have helped, even if it's been a little bit of a sacrifice to myself. Oh, that's After why all, you know you can't really renew stuff. yourself until you uh, start yeah. helping others. That nobody can uh, you know you you can figure out yeah, what your I've, personality type is, and you you think you're the greatest in the world, but until you, you start really sharing that with other people, you're not really 
mm-hmm. not really uh, renewed, not really competent. And well, it 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 strengthened me, and it also um, it's made me realize that I did have a purpose in all of that, and all the people that I have helped, the churches I've helped, all the uh, good that I have done, and everything. So I think that has been a lot of balance to me in seeing all the good that I've done, regardless of, of what's happened. I have always had God's strength right there with me, yeah. no matter what happened. Uh, I mean, I could have been dead broke, and all of a sudden there was a breakthrough. It was always there, there. There was a strength there that I wasn't as sure of as I am now. But you say you really didn't make that the discovery until after your seventh marriage. What the... Changed between your sixth and seventh marriage, so you finally were uh, looking for the right type of person that you finally found. I mean, how did you approach your seventh uh, courtship differently from how you'd approached all those other six? Well, with the um, my that sixth seventh marriage, I I never realized. I always believed everybody. I was just I was raised to. Think you know, everybody was telling me the truth. They weren't manipulating me or lying to me yeah. and so forth. And I did was into that seventh marriage about four years when I got into a bad uh, investment situation. And oh. somebody said to get on Google and I could find out about this person I'd invested with. When I oh. got on Google, I found out that he'd served three years in prison for defrauding <laughs> banks. <clears throat> While I was there, I Googled myself, and it said no data, which made me happy. I Googled the man I was married to at the time and found out he'd been indicted by the state of New York and found guilty of a felony. Oh, wow. So I had married a, a convicted felon, and, you know, I've warned so many women since then, particularly our whole society is so mobile. If you don't know the entire background of somebody, and even if you do, it's only about $300 to get a background check from a private investigator, and you will find out everything. The man I am married to now, I had a background check done on me, and the private investigator called me weeks later. He said, I'm faxing you my report, but I can tell you, you could not find a squeaker clean man than this. He's, <laughs> he's been involved in all kind of businesses, and he's never met a lawsuit. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Yeah. So, like I say, God has been good to me in spite of all my problems, and I guess that's what I was put here for, to help my family, to help friends, and, you know, help a lot of people at different times. Yeah, in your book you describe these five temperaments uh, that was defined by the National Christian Counselors Association. And you, is it possible to uh, determine what personality type the guy is you're dating, or the for us guys, the gal that we're dating, or... Uh, how easy, how how easy is that to determine what type of personality that they have, and why is it so important? Well, it, I would you know what I would do now if I had all that experience and training way way back when, I would have every possible man that I would might get start getting serious about take that tap test and find out what he was really like, because oh, it yeah. is amazing how few people understand their true temperament. Or like they say, they don't. I don't understand why I did that. They don't yeah. understand because they don't know their true temperament. Yeah, they don't true. know that they may be, uh, you know, have, have a uh, real uh, bad uh, control area, or they may have a bad uh, social area. They may have a bad, you know, temperament area. Yeah. And uh, it just it doesn't always show up. It shows up in their life, but it doesn't show up as it is. Yeah. They don't realize why how they got that way. 
Well, in your book, you describe these five uh, temperaments, and uh, it's certainly worthwhile uh, studying that and uh, realizing both what your own temperament is and what type of temperament those that uh, you associate with, say, your boss or your husband or your, even your family members. But, uh, I would highly recommend that. Let's talk a bit about your great new book, Beauty is a Beast. Uh, what inspired you to write and release your book at this point in your life? Well, what inspired me was I thought possibly I could describe to people, and or to women especially, and, and, and even men. Men get roped <laughs> fooled a lot by women. Yes, and sure. they, they sure use do. sex to uh, trap a lot of men, you know, yeah. no doubt about it. And I thought at this point in life, maybe I could make them not only realize to be very careful before they get married, they don't realize they're dedicating their entire life to this person. Yeah. And be very careful about what you're getting into. We get so much into marriage by emotions alone. Yeah, and it almost true. sounds cold-blooded if you start saying, uh, can you afford to get married? Can this person afford to support you? Uh, it sounds cold-blooded if you say, well, they have the same uh, society level you're from and so <laughs> forth. But later on, you realize those things make a big difference. <laughs> next and they time, make a huge difference. Next time one of the ladies out there gets proposed to, they say, well, before I answer yes or no, I've got to run a background check on you. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. That's what and, they should uh, do. You just don't they... realize how, you know, at 20, 25 years old, even 30 years old, they don't always realize how serious a, a you know, mistake you're going. We're going through, because... Sex is so prominent out there now and so thrown at all these young people. And it also looks like it's okay just to fall in bed with anybody you want to and so forth. They don't realize what they're doing to their reputations, to their body. It's not only that, but what they're doing to their psychological makeup, that they are demeaning something that should be very beautiful between two people in a marriage. Yeah. Where best should we go to? Where best should we go to preview and purchase your book? Where's the best place to, uh, to get it? Doing what? Where where best should we go to preview and purchase your book? Is it like is it available on Amazon or? Uh, it's or available should... on Amazon and it's also available on uh, Barnes Noble. Oh, I see. So that's where we should go. Uh, yeah. Well, in conclusion, whether we're physically attractive or not, so many of us at middle age continue to sell ourselves short. We don't really comprehend what we want out of the rest of our lives, and we place ourselves at the mercy of a spouse a boss on the job, or someone else who doesn't always, maybe seldom if ever, has our own best interests at heart. And usually, uh, you know, most all of us have our own self-interests at heart before we really have the interests of others except for those really special people. And regardless of the reason, it's high time that you and I stop selling ourselves short, and it's high time we overcome that negative inner voice perhaps implanted in childhood that keeps informing us that we're not good enough. And uh, every one of us is beautiful in our own way. And uh, if you need convincing or reinforcement, I highly recommend you preview and purchase Peggy Bland's book, Beauty is a Beast. And thank you so much, Peggy, for your inspiring message here today. Well, I really appreciate your taking the time to uh, read my book and enjoy it, I hope. And I hope it will do a lot of good to a lot of other, not only women, but to men. I hope realize so, what too. a serious step they're taking. They're giving their lives to somebody. On our next segment, we're going to talk about a disease that unfortunately is very common at middle age, 
and I'm talking about diabetes. And the bad news, diabetes is potentially a deadly disease with a number of negative side effects. If left uncontrolled, it can damage organs and parts of your body over time, including uh, your kidneys and nervous system. And diabetes makes you two times more likely to suffer a heart attack or maybe a stroke. And as you probably know, advanced diabetes can rob you of your eyesight or require amputation of one or more limbs. And I don't know about you, but diabetes is not a disease I want to mess around with. And diabetes wreaks havoc worldwide, but it's especially acute in the USA. In the U.S., diabetes causes more deaths per year than breast cancer and AIDS combined. And can you believe it? Almost half of all Americans will experience either diabetes or pre-diabetes sometime uh, during their lifetime. And the bad news, my next guest, Dr. Brian Mole, informs us that diabetes is completely misunderstood and mismanaged by conventional medicine. But how about some good news? He also tells us that diabetes can be prevented and reversed with the right lifestyle changes and strategies. And here's some even better news. Dr. Mole is sponsoring a free online Diabetes Summit 2018 from April 23rd through April 29th open to all, and uh, he's here to inform us about it today. And Dr. Brian Mole is founder and medical director of Sweet Life Diabetes Health Centers and serves clients worldwide as the diabetes coach. He is a master licensed diabetes educator and was one of the first doctors certified by the prestigious Institute for Functional Medicine. And since 1998, he's been helping people with all forms of diabetes, and his goal is not just to manage it, but to reverse those conditions using a natural, personalized approach. And hello, Coach Mole, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Well, thank you, Roy. What an amazing introduction. I mean, you said a mouthful, and uh, I don't think I've ever heard a better summary of, of diabetes and the uh, effects and how it can how it can impact our lives. Yeah, well, if, I'd, uh, if we could, I'd like to begin with the basics. Uh, what is th- that disease called diabetes, and how does it impact our physical bodies? Well, it's interesting. You know, diabetes uh, has been described for millennia, and it's named after uh, sugar passing through the body into the urine, oh. and that's how it was originally diagnosed. Yeah. So diabetes mellitus, uh, that's exactly what it means in Latin. Uh, but I think that's a, a bit of a misnomer, actually, because it's not just about blood sugar passing through us. It's yeah. about having too much sugar in our blood and what that can do to our body. Uh, I like the way Dr. Oz described it as little shards of glass floating around in our bloodstream and just cutting up all of our organs. That's an unpleasant Uh, thought. (laughs) It's an unpleasant thought, but it's it's unfortunately uh, very much, I think, an accurate depiction of what happens. Uh, And that's why you see a lot of the complications you mentioned, things yeah. like kidney failure and blindness and amputation yeah. and sexual dysfunction, even dementia. Uh, wow. And obviously that's a huge concern for men and women. Well, now we're supposed to have a hormone in our bodies called insulin that doesn't, uh, doesn't that supposedly uh, take care of that blood sugar, but some of us don't have enough, or what's the deal on that? And that really is the root cause of type 2 diabetes pre-diabetes and something called metabolic syndrome, which is where you have high blood sugar, high blood pressure, overweight, and high uh, lipids. 
so what happens there is you're right. There's a hormone called insulin. It's released by the pancreas when we eat uh, really any food uh, containing glucose or fat or uh, even protein. And it's released by the pancreas to take those uh, elemental uh, nutrients, macronutrients, and uh, to help us to use them, to help us to use them to create fuel, to uh, repair organs and muscles and so forth. So, so we need that hormone insulin. But what happens in type 2 diabetes and even prediabetes, we start becoming resistant to it. Uh, so instead of us responding properly to this hormone, uh, we, uh, it, it doesn't really work as well. It's almost like a key that just doesn't seem to open the lock. And yeah. when that happens, those macronutrients like sugar can't get into the cells to get burned for fuel, so we start getting a buildup of sugar in the bloodstream. Just to, to clarify, you mentioned type 2. There's a type 1 and type 2, and type 2 is what uh, adults have to worry about. What is type 1, just to uh, clarify it? Uh, Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease, and it affects mostly children, although we're starting to see it's affecting even some adults as autoimmune disease continues to grow, and there's a variety of reasons for that, but mostly in kids and anywhere from the first year of life, it sort of peaks in in childhood, and then uh, we can see type 1 diagnosed all the way through teenage years and early adulthood. What happens there is the pancreas is attacked by our own immune system, and essentially the cells that make insulin uh, are damaged and destroyed. So people with type 1 diabetes have a completely different issue. Instead of being resistant to that hormone, they just don't make it at all. Yeah. Well, so we, they you know, actually since we're uh, all beyond young adulthood, I think we'll concentrate on type 2. But uh, Not only that, 90 to 95% of the people with diabetes on the planet have type 2. Oh, I see. Well, can you describe a few of the most common symptoms of type 2 diabetes, symptoms that warn us that we should have our blood sugar level tested? What are some of the things that we might notice that uh, might be pointing to that? Yeah, and I'm going to take it one step farther because there really aren't a lot of symptoms for type 2 diabetes until it becomes very serious. So if you're getting to the point where you're thirsty and uh, you are... Uh, feeling dizzy and uh, having uh, problems associated with uh, very, very high blood sugars, then uh, you've let this go way, way too far. And those symptoms usually show up when someone has a blood sugar in the four or 500 range or above. Now, uh, unfortunately, I, I can say unfortunately because we don't have any warning signs, type 2 diabetes doesn't really have a lot of symptoms associated with it, but there's a lot of damage being done to the body, similar to heart disease, right? You could say that, you know, plaques can be forming in the arteries. You could be uh, actually uh, losing cardiovascular health, developing even a heart attack, or on your way to a stroke and have almost no symptoms. Diabetes is much the same way, but there are symptoms of insulin resistance, which is the underlying root cause of type 2 diabetes. So let me, let me tell you what those are. Yeah. If you eat uh, a, a lunch and let's say you have some carbohydrate, you have a sandwich in there, and within an hour or two, you're, you get really hungry or crave sugar or you get really tired after a meal. 
those are peak signs of insulin resistance. Also, on a very standard blood test, we always look at lipids, cholesterol, triglycerides, HDL, LDL. If your triglyceride levels are over 100, and the lab reference range is usually okay at 150 or below, but if they're over 100, so you have to ask your doctor and look at those closely, that's a sign of insulin resistance as well. So we've got to be careful with that. Um, And then there's other signs, like if you have some fat around your waist, particularly kind of underneath your belly button, uh, and uh, and your hip, <laughs> yeah, your hip circumference is uh, is less than your waist circumference. In other words, if you took a a, a measurement around your belly button, it was yeah. bigger than than it would be around your hips. Yeah. That's a sign of insulin resistance as well. Oh, I see. Well, here's a shocker. You inform us that despite billions of dollars spent on pharmaceutical research and more than 70 diabetes drugs presently prescribed in the U.S the diabetes rates continue to rise. Where is Big Pharma missing the boat? Why can't any of these diseases address the root causes or stop the progression of this dreadful disease? What's going on? Such a great question, and and I wish that they did. There was uh, one drug or one class of drugs that did address insulin resistance uh, that was popular uh, about 10 years ago or so. Uh, but unfortunately, it had uh, way too many dangerous side effects, so it's, it's been largely uh, downplayed at this point. Plus, it went off patent, so it's not getting advertised anymore. <laughs> but the, uh, most of the medications have one target goal, and that's to lower blood sugar. And oh. if you understood what I said today yeah. uh, to your listeners, uh, that's not the that's not the root problem. It's not the blood sugar. That's the sign, or if you'd like, symptom of diabetes. The root causes this insulin resistance, and those drugs don't do anything about that. So you can continue to take medications as a diabetic. It will help prevent some complications, but unfortunately, it's not going to do anything to the progression of the disease. So diabetes yeah. keeps getting worse. And diabetes rates keep getting worse because yeah. we're not fixing the problem. Well, I recently picked up a type 2 diabetes pocket-sized pamphlet in my doctor's office prepared by a major drug manufacturer that describes diabetes as a progressive, lifelong condition that requires prescription drugs to control. Is this description correct, or can type 2 diabetes, in fact, be uh, prevented early or even reversed? Well, if if you open your toolbox and the only thing that you have in there are a variety of different medications and combinations of medications, then that statement would be true because there aren't any drugs, as I said, that do anything to reverse the course of the disease. However, if you open your toolbox and you have uh, uh, this functional medicine or integrative medicine or natural medicine toolbox, and you've got all sorts of things in there like exercise and lifestyle habits and improving proper sleep and helping uh, gut health and stress and, of course, diet, uh, working with people to eat a real food, whole food diet that's low in processed and refined carbohydrates and high in uh, phytonutrients and nutrient-dense plant-based foods and other healthy organic animal products, then... Uh, you have a lot of tools in your tool chest 
we've seen working with thousands of clients and patients over the last almost 20 years is that type 2 diabetes, prediabetes, and metabolic syndrome absolutely can be reversed in oh, many, many people. That's great. Well, let's talk about your upcoming online uh, Diabetes Summit 2018. Uh, how long is the summit and how many days of instruction and how many hours per day? I think it's quite extensive, I know. Yeah, well, you know, this is free, uh, and the reason I do that is because uh, it's a great way to disseminate a lot of information. This is my fifth year doing it, and each year I try to assemble uh, the uh, a group of experts. We have over 30 experts in a variety of fields, uh, yeah. not just all about diet, but it's going to be a wide variety of things that can all affect blood sugar and, and optimize health. And so we do about uh, five presentations a day over the course of a week. So it starts on April 23rd, as you mentioned, and uh, each day you've got access to, to four or five expert presentations. We try to keep them relatively short. They're about 30, 35 minutes, maybe 40 minutes at the most. And uh, and you can listen to the ones that you think uh, seem the most interesting. You don't have to listen to every single one. And uh, people really love this. There's there's a comment section where people yeah. engage in in uh, conversations underneath each presentation and uh, share information with each other. It's a it's a great format to really learn more about this important topic. Well, let's say a listener really wants to access your Diabetes Summit 2018, but it's tied up for a good portion or all of the week of April 23rd. Do you have any options where he or she could uh, listen to speakers in a more convenient time or maybe at a more leisurely pace? For sure, for sure. Yeah, there's. Um, uh, we do an encore at the end uh, as well. So if you miss, say, two or three days, you can catch the encore at the end. But even if that's too much, if you really want to take your time and digest the information, uh, just like uh, most conferences do, we do offer all the recordings with some bonus materials, transcripts of every talk, audio files of every talk, and, of course, the video files. And uh, it's at a, a relatively a nominal fee. Uh, okay. There is a cost for that, just for yeah. the uh, production of everything. But uh, we try to keep that cost way down. So there is an opportunity for people, if they want to own that yeah. and all that information, they can do it. But, of course, uh, you can go through the whole week uh, at no cost as well, if that's what okay. you'd like to do. Well, where should listeners go to sign up for your Diabetes Summit 2018? Uh, well, uh, it's uh, thediabetesummit.com. Yeah, I went um, there, and I noticed you can sign up there. Yeah, you can sign up there, and uh, if you have a uh, – I'm not sure if you have uh, uh, your link for your show, but uh, but if so, maybe you could share that. But, yeah, just we try to keep it real simple, so thediabetesummit.com works. Well, if folks would like to know more about your background, uh, uh, maybe access your blogs, videos, and podcasts, and uh, – You've got this great download, uh, Blood Sugar Manifesto. You have another website to go for that. Uh, what, give us that. Uh, I think it's just your name, isn't it? That, uh... Yeah, that's my website. It's just uh, drmole.com. That's D-R-M-O-W-L-L.com, drmole.com. And there's a lot of free information. I do a weekly blog on there, and uh, there's some programs that we offer uh, but, again, a lot of good free information for people yeah, as well. That's great. Well, to conclude that type, uh, type 2 diabetes pocket pamphlet from my doctor's office, the one I mentioned earlier included this quote from diabetes patient Lewis, 
Lewis said I was really feeling down about my diabetes, so I made an appointment to see my doctor, and he just added another medicine to my treatment, and I'm feeling much more relaxed and in control now. If only it were that simple. As we've learned today from my guest, Dr. Brian Mole, conventional prescription medication may alleviate certain symptoms, but it does nothing to address the root causes of diabetes, nor will it stop the progression or even reverse this dreadful disease. And the good news with functional medication and personalized lifestyle approach, like we've been talking about today, you can regain control of your blood pressure or sugar, heal complications and health problems, and reverse even reverse the course of diabetes. And Dr. Mole assures with the right education and personal action plan, it is absolutely possible to change and save lives of folks with type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes. And obviously the first step is education, and that's where this great Diabetes Summit 2018 uh, comes in. And I can't imagine a more comprehensive resource for all aspects of high blood sugar and diabetes causes and uh, success rates. And uh, so we can challenge this big pharma declaration that diabetes is a progressive lifelong condition. So even if you do everything right, you may have to add or change medicines to respond to how the condition changes your body. And I don't agree with that, and I'm sure Dr. Mole wouldn't either. And uh, as Dr. Mole would assure us, there most certainly is a better way. And thank you so much, Dr. Mole, for uh, sharing this challenging but inspiring advice on top 2 diabetes, or type 2, I should say. Uh, well, very well said, Roy, and I appreciate you having me on your show. And thank you for tuning in. Tuning in next week for Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal training system by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 